Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I just babbled there because it's hot as balls today, but hey, welcome to another episode. Season 4, as I said, continues on with the Legends Tour. I met this legend particularly about a month and a bit ago at a different event, and we just clicked almost immediately. She's absolutely amazing what she does. Um, and I'm proud to actually say she's actually one of my new friends in London, which is really, really nice. And that's my friend Ruth Kudzi. Ruth, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, great to see you. Yeah, we were just remembering meeting in Brighton, which... Yeah, I think it was about six weeks ago now. Yeah, it's lovely how you like you meet people and you're like, huh, okay, you're either going to meet them and never see them again, or you're going to meet them and you guys are going to get on the house on fire. It's one of the two. Um, or you're going to have the <laughs> third option, which is we're going to get on, but we just will never speak. And then like a year later, hey, we should really speak more. And it never happens. Um, yeah. But I think people do that. I know we won't because like genuinely we, we speak. And not all the time, but we speak relatively. Uh, yeah. Enough for a person that's only known me for six weeks. Um, fun stuff. So, real shout out to our sponsors before the show begins. Uh, shout out to storysellingemails.com. They sponsor our show. Go check it out. Entry name and email address in there to actually get a 16 minute video and a PDF uh, that doesn't sell anything, surprisingly, because I'm a terrible copywriter, apparently, in all senses. I should not be allowed to do what I do. But hey, this is 100% to give you guys uh, great advice on how to write your emails, particularly the batch you generate to my clients a crap ton of money. We're talking hundreds of millions here, so we're pretty good on what we're doing in testing. Also sponsored by RuthCurtsy.com. If you go to Ruth's website, you'll actually be able to find out more about her, what she does, opt into a mailing list, find out how she can work with you, particularly if you're a female and a coach, uh, or if you need coaching in business and life and everywhere else. She's absolutely amazing when it comes to this stuff. Like Her mindset is ridiculously powerful. Um, so yeah, guys, go check that stuff out. So jumping right into it, Ruth, how did you get into coaching? Like, that's the crazy thing. Cause I'm always curious how coaches become coaches. Yeah. Um, I, well, the, I kind of had always been interested in coaching. So I trained in business. Well, I went to uni and did business and psychology back in, uh, 1998. I, um, I'm not going to make a reference now because we don't know what's going to happen on Sunday and this is going to be out later, but I, I was reminiscing about, um, about what was happening in 1996 to do with football earlier. So hopefully when this comes out, there'll be some good news. Um, and <laughs> yeah, back in, back in 1998, I studied business and psychology and I was really interested in how they integrated, like how psychology impacted people in business and how, it, how our thinking and our cognition affected the way that we made decisions and affected things like buying decisions and all of that kind of thing. After uni, I then went into recruitment and started doing lots of kind of psychometric tests and all of that kind of thing and doing some interview coaching and after about five years I then moved into education and it was then when I made that transition I was kind of looking at coaching but all the coaches I saw were in their 60s or 70s and seemed to kind of coach with a cup of tea and a telephone and I thought I need oh. to be in just to do this um, so I then went into education became deputy head teacher and I had lots of coaching through that and that's when I was like, okay, I really love coaching. So I started to go doing coaching voluntarily. Um, got getting loads of qualifications. I love qualifications. So I got lots of qualifications in coaching. Did about a thousand free hours. And then three years ago, I was like, okay, I need to, I need to do this because this is what I love. This is what I'm doing in my business. I'm doing it at work. Um, and I'd done other businesses before and hadn't loved them. So yeah, three years ago, I was like, okay, I'm going to set it up and. Now it's been going about two and a half years since I got my first client, and I absolutely love it. So I think for me, it, it's like Steve Jobs said, it all makes sense when you look back, but when I was in it, 
midst of it and like doing a qualification in NLP whilst having a you know being heavily pregnant and having a full-time job it didn't make sense I didn't understand why I was doing it but I knew that there was a there was a purpose and it turned out the purpose was to be become a coach that's excellent I love the fact that you actually went through that and I agree with you it's far too many people what I call the teacup and armchair coaches hey yeah. I'll get on the phone with you there's no actual action that they take on board um and it's it's nice that it's transforming where people are actually no I'm actually in the field doing my thing I'm gonna show you how to get there as well it's no longer the case of the competitiveness where it used to be where you'd essentially have um you'd figure something out you'd go do it you'd make a ton of money doing it and then only then you'd keep it quiet and guarded until you're like 50 or 60 and like okay now I can share my secrets right now it's kind of like oh hey I'm doing this it's working really well you want me to help you? Great, let me mentor you. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's completely different, isn't it? And it's absolutely amazing because you think, you know, I didn't really know anything about the online world until about three years ago. Yeah. And then from working with different coaches and mentors, um, some of whom that you know, it, you know, you learn things really quickly because we can all pick things up, but if we, we don't know what we don't know. And, I, you know, I've definitely banged my head against a brick wall about tech before in the past. Yep. Now I just do tech, but um, thinking, oh gosh, I need to know this, I need to know that, I need to be a certain type of person. But actually, if you speak to people, you can get the secrets. And Agreed. I, it's I awesome. Mean, yeah. Well, we live in a world today where people are more than happy to share what's in their mind, um, even for free, because I've done, hell, you can listen to any one of my shows and I guarantee you nearly every guest I've had releases or reveals some sort of thing that they necessarily wouldn't say but something because I asked the question like okay yeah sure here you go and it's like that's literally worth like 10 grand to me but thank you and people are like oh okay it's just a thing it's insane <laughs> um, like just like the week I, hopefully if we set this up right the week before this episode uh, is my buddy John Benson and like John and I talk a lot about a lot of things I'm gonna get him back on board for like a two hour podcast because doing that one hour podcast wasn't enough and we realized that t during the end we were like we need to get back on the show for like two hours. Like, why is that? Because there's so much we want to talk about. And it went everywhere on um, race, uh, people, culture, writing. And John's the guy that charges a hundred grand at the minimum to write yeah. a video sales letter for you, plus royalties, because he's like the godfather of video sales letters. Um, so it's just interesting how like you can have a conversation with him. He drops so much knowledge and just walks on like it's nothing, just like you, just like everyone else that we know. So my curiosity really here is how how has being a mum affected your business? Because this is kind of interesting because a lot of my friends that are mothers or parents, it, I've seen it split into two camps. Camp number one is I'm a mother, I'm a father, I'm you know I'm a parent. I need to make this work so my kids, so I'm there with my kids. The other is. I can't do this because I am a parent, so I need to spend time with my kids and work on this part-time. Which like, which camp did you fall into initially and how did that transform into the one that you're in? I definitely um, I definitely was like, I want to do this because of my kids. This, they're part of the reason that I want to be really successful because I want to give them more choices and more opportunities. So in a, like, I don't work traditional hours. Um, so at yeah. the moment, you know, my kids are outside with my mom and my their godmother, and my assistant, and and then I'll I'll have the rest of the evening with them. But sometimes I might do stuff in the evening. Um, sometimes I'm getting up early. So I made that conscious decision that I wanted to spend more time with my kids, 
but I knew that I also wanted to be really successful. So I was like, okay, I'm doing this for my kids. And sometimes that does mean that I'm going to Australia for a conference or America for a conference. But I'm also there most evenings to put them to bed and I'm there every morning when they wake up and left at a conference. So I do think that it's, for me, it was like, I've now got a real reason to do this yeah. and got a real thing backing up if it doesn't work. You know, I've got those my kids looking at me like, Mummy, you didn't make it work. Obviously, they wouldn't say that, but, you know, like... It's, it's, it's like your own driver. It's your own feedback mechanism that you need to actually keep you going. Like, for instance, I don't have that in terms of kids, but, like, my passion isn't... So the way I always say that anyone listens to my show, and especially because you and I haven't really discussed this, my passion is jiu-jitsu. I yeah. love training jiu-jitsu. So whenever I fail, it's not so much me in the mirror looking at myself going, oh, you really fucked up and stuff. It's me thinking about my coaches, thinking about my friends, my teammates that sacrificed for me to get here and I didn't take it seriously enough. So that that drives me when I'm like, uh, the last competition I had, I failed really badly. I, I ran out of energy in the first four minutes. And there was like two, uh, those two matches that I should have been prepared for, but I wasn't prepared for. So now what am I doing? I'm getting up, I'm running. I'm training five days a week. I'm making sure that I do endurance runs. I even told my head coach, like my coach that trains with me, I said, listen, put me in the shark tank. And for people who don't know, and this is very similar to how you, how I suggest you do business at times, especially if you're a parent, we're going to get into this. Shark tanking is basically, it's you versus, like you have four people, uh, including yourself, and you sit in the middle and then you take on every person for one minute at a time. And things, as soon as that minute is up, the person that, whether you're winning or losing, that person gets off and you're taken on by the next person. It's a constant movement. It doesn't matter if you were like gassed out, if you're tired, you know, as tired as shit. You get the next person fight you almost immediately. And you have to go for broke. You just go for broke almost immediately with every person. You do that for three rounds, that's nine minutes worth of intense sparring. You've burnt your body to a point where you're like, okay, now I'm tired. Now I get to rest. Now someone else goes in the middle and you do this. And you do that over, yeah. the, over the course of like four people. Um, that's what, 36 minutes? 36 minutes of intense sparring in one minute increments. You've basically put your body through the ring and you do that long enough, you'll be able to actually last almost anything out. Now, the same suggestion really is with parenting and in terms of like business running, again, not a parent, so I don't really know. Would you say, like the way that you set your schedule up is again, working really odd hours. Sometimes you'll be up really late at night. Sometimes you'll be up really early in the morning. Sometimes you'll be working throughout the afternoon when they're napping. What yeah. is the... When you have like a heat wave like we're experiencing in the UK right now, how yeah. do you actually deal with the lethargicness that comes with it, the lethargy that comes with it? Because there is lethargy, and I've actually spoken to several entrepreneurs that are like <laughs> up here all the time. I'm talking to like, man, I want to go to sleep and do nothing all day. I'm like, how do you motivate yourself to keep going? Yeah, I mean, so my kids are in childcare. So they're in childcare three days a week, and then um, my assistant looks after them, and my mum looks after them as well. So it's kind of flexible. But because I always set myself deadlines that I have to meet. This is a thing that I always do. So, you know, it's a classic, like, you create a course, you have people on the course, you're only a couple of modules ahead. So I have to do that work. So that really works for me, having those, those kind of things that I really have to do. I also have a team that kick my butt. So I've got a YouTube channel I've just started. So I have to get something to my tech VA for her to get that up on the YouTube channel. I have to do things by certain days. So I'm motivated definitely by those external things when I'm not motivated internally. So when I feel like, oh, I just want to lie down and go to bed, I'm like, well, I can't because I've got all these things. 
and I paid for people to do stuff for me and I need to get it to them. So that really, really helps with me. Definitely financial commitment and accountability works. I mean, that's why coaching works. That works for me, even with things like my personal trainer. I don't really feel like going to the gym when it's hot. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, you don't feel like doing it. I feel like sitting in my garden, drinking Prosecco, talking to my friends. I don't feel like going to the gym or doing a webinar. But I think, again, it's focusing on that end result. Yeah. I know if I go to the gym, I'm going to have more energy. I know if I do that webinar, I'll get more clients. So, yeah, yeah. trying to focus on the end result. But also, it's always building in space to your, your schedule. So, if you want to have that afternoon in bed or that afternoon sitting in the garden drinking Prosecco or going to something cool, you can have that. Yeah, that's always the case, finding balance in it. Now, something I wanted to ask you that's more personal for me, how much do you pay for like the video person to actually um, upload all your stuff like to YouTube? Because my issue with like getting stuff done on YouTube is I don't like planning. I just kind of like shooting in the moment and just going for it, but then I don't like yeah. doing all the tech stuff behind <laughs> it. So like, what what's the ballpark figure that you pay your person? Just simply because now I'm looking at it going, I need to hire this out. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't, so I have a tech VA and literally she, all she does is she does, she shares the link and some text on my blogs um, every Wednesday and she puts all my emails into active campaign and um, she does my landing pages and that's like 300 quid a month. That's Nothing. not bad at all. That's amazing. No, really, really good as well. And then <laughs> I have someone who helps me video, who does the videos. So I need to always up my video game. Video so, is definitely one of those things that we know that we should do. And then I do it great in my Facebook free group because it doesn't matter, but I make excuses in the other groups sometimes. So I have someone again and um, he helps with my YouTube videos. So we do filming and that is definitely dependent on, you know, are we on location? How many days are we filming? Um, but we go, to, we film and then she edits them and we usually do kind of eight at a time and then release them every week. So it's, that's that's really good as well. So with, your, so with videos, um, you say that you have to up your video game. What do you mean by that? I think that I need to have better quality videos and be in more places for video. What are you using for your video camera? What's the camera that you're using? So I don't have a video. I don't use, I just use my phone. I'm just buying a which, camera. Which phone? I just use an iPhone to record videos like Facebook Live and stuff. But Wait. for her, she has a proper camera, so, okay, so. probably video them for YouTube and then repurpose them. Okay, so I have a question. Which iPhone do you have? That's that's key. Ah, uh, so I've got this one, which is I think an iPhone seven. But I've also got the brand new one, but I just yeah. haven't. Um, right, I haven't done anything with it yet. <laughs> so I was going to say with well, the new ones because I got the iPhone eight plus, particularly for videos. Yes. Um, and the reason I got this one over the other ones, because I actually do have DSLR, like I have a proper working digital camera, I also have like a Sony camera that I, me and my friend use all the time, because like, we both shoot videos for different things. Um, yeah. But I actually found using an iPhone for lives is amazing, and using them for videos for like YouTube, if you know what you're doing, super cool. They're super easy to run with, so your 10 I think it is, or the 8 Plus if you have that, which those two in particular have an amazing camera setting already to go for um, high-end video quality. The only yeah. problem is the only problem is that the lenses can have a problem with curving around the edges if it's too wide of a frame. So that's the only okay. problem with it. Uh, okay. 
Whereas if you're using something like this, something I want to buy as well, you should get one of my clients to buy this. Screw it, I'm gonna get one of my clients to buy this after the show. Um, <laughs> is to get this a there's a clip-on camera uh, lens that you can actually use for an iPhone uh, for the seven and above, which is designed specifically. Do you have you ever watched La La Land? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know how it's shot okay. with like the two bars like pushed right down. And it's like long form. This does yeah. that to your actual camera. So it automatically it squeezes it down and actually creates a really elongated video format. Wow. Yeah. I'm a nerd when it comes to videos, FYI. Just, okay. yeah, because um, I used to direct my friend David Walsh's videos at YouTube. Um, so that's how uh, that's how I know all the stuff is. I spend so much time. I mean, I'm I'm one of those people who's, there, who's got that belief, I'm not good at technology, and probably do a lot to fuel that belief rather than to change that belief. So anything that's going to make it simple for me will mean that I do it. And we yeah. know that. We put all of these blocks in our ways, don't we? Like, I'm not going to do that until, or I'm not going to do this, and I'm not going to do that, and then we don't do anything. So um, that's really useful. Thank you so much. I've learned something. Yeah. Well, get a is... with, my, with, my, with my iPhone. Yeah, damn right. I mean, just use it. I mean, if for anyone else out there that's thinking of using like videos for their iPhones, um, the apps I would recommend would be Filmic Pro, uh, if it still has fixed its bug issues, because it's amazing. Filmic Pro uh, and Video Shop. Those are two ads. Those are two apps I would use because Video Shop allows you to actually edit your videos on the phone and just upload them. Clips is a really good one. Our friend Tacky Moore, he loves using clips. That's how he does his square videos on Facebook all the time and the transcription videos. He uses oh. those. Um, so there's just like a whole bunch. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of different ways. Like me personally, I like doing videos. I like editing videos on my Mac because I just like that. My brain works that way. Uh, I hate editing though like legitimately hate editing which is why the show is never edited the show is just sound edited to be treated to make sure that it sounds good um yeah. but as far as it goes with like oh i'm just going to delete something I'm like no i just leave it in i just leave everything in all the mistakes and everything else because i want my audience to see what's there now with video content this is something i'm curious about because this is a really big thing i faced in the past and i know you've overcome this because of the amount of content you do produce how do you actually know what to produce because you, uh, my friend Katrina Ruth, and a bunch of other people I know, you guys like are content powerhouses. You guys just like release a crap ton of content all the time. Um, you do it more in a methodical standpoint, but like they do it on daily. Like they, they like they write literal sales pages on their Facebook every single day. And I'm like, I'm a copywriter, and I don't want to do that every day. How the hell are you doing it every day? So what is it? How do you know actually what to write about? Yeah, I don't create content every day. Um, it looks like I do because obviously I batch my content and I recycle my content um, or repurpose it as we call it in the business. Mm -hmm. um, but I do often with videos, often with um, yeah, often with videos, but often with posts as well. I will, you know, when you're away from your business, so when I've been to the gym or yoga or I've been outside, I will be thinking about something and then I'll come back and I'll be like, okay, that would make a really good video. So maybe I'll write down some points and do it. Or sometimes I'll do it off the cuff. Um, I don't really have a problem with speaking off the cuff. It's not like I, I think about, oh. I, what am I going to say? I'm always like, oh, I've got so much to say, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I think that people quite like that. But that's the thing. I think in a, in a Facebook private group, that's great. I think that sometimes if you're doing YouTube or you're doing Facebook page, you want to be a little bit more polished and a little, because people don't know you and they don't know that sometimes you're just having like a crazy rap. And sometimes yeah. you'll be you. So I think it's 
it's in interesting to, to distinguish. But yeah, I definitely don't create content every day. We all have slow days. Our brain needs a needs a break, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's one of those things, and it's just interesting to me, like how people can even like creating all that content in one day is incredible to me because like when I sit down to write, and this is what really makes me laugh, um, people that write those long ass posts, right? It, it surprises me because I read through them and I go, I can summarize your entire sales, like this entire process down in like six paragraphs. Why is it so goddamn long? But then I'm like, it's engagement and so on and so forth. But like my brain goes, I have a really hard time writing uh, <laughs> at that length. For me, my brain is so focused on get to the damn point. Yeah. Like yeah. tell a story that gets to the damn point. Do this, but get to the damn point. <laughs> But some people, I think, like to write really long copy. I think that they feel that having those really long posts gives them maybe some extra credibility. Yeah, it, it does to a certain degree. I mean, psychologically, it's shown that anything that you write that's around two, 3,000 words as a blog post has a higher engagement rate. Uh, 10,000 words, believe it or not, has like one of the biggest engagement rates online. Uh, although the only problem with try writing 10,000 words in a single sitting, you usually have to spend several days writing them. Me personally... I know myself well enough. If I'm going to write, I write in one sitting. If I'm going to write in multiple sittings, it ain't going to happen because I'll just delete it. I'll get bored and I'm not want to write anymore. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and I think I, I think it's I think it's another excuse, isn't it, that people say like, oh, I've got to write this really long copy and they make it into this thing yeah. and then they don't do it because they're like, oh, well, I don't have time to write something really long or I don't know what I'll do to write it really long. So I think that writing long copy can again become an excuse for people. And, you know, you've said that you don't, yeah, you know, like, you're like, get to the point. You know, I always think sometimes when you're scrolling, 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 you're like, I don't want to read this. And this is the, the other thing about copy that, you know, you write, you're a copywriter, you write really short copy. Lots of people like short copy and, you know, actually the simplest thing is convert the most. Yeah. No, it's going to have to be really long. The thing is as well, when it comes to that, so I want to dispel this just very quickly. I want to nip it in the bud before it gets out there because I've had so many arguments with this over the years where people say short copy works better than long copy. It doesn't. What works is concise copy that gives me enough reason why to take action. So that could be a long ass sales page. But the only thing is when you're writing long form sales pieces, A, know who you're writing to and B, and this is me giving like giving my own advice to myself really more than anything because um, I'm thinking back and shit, I really should do that. Um, but B, it's one of this, uh, it's one of these ideas that when you're writing sales pieces, uh, particularly to sell anything that you're anything that you have, so whether that's your coaching or any of your products or a continuity program or something like that, you want um you want to keep this in mind. Yes, I can tell them exactly what they are going to uh, experience and why they want to get this and how it's going to benefit them and how it's emotionally going to drive them and so on and so forth. But have I, and ask yourself this question, have I armed them with enough tools to answer and respond to that annoying ass brother-in-law or that wife that's always like niggling down at them or the husband that's always making them doubt themselves have i given them enough reasons to arm themselves so when these doubts come they can actually slay these doubts in the bud like why did you why did you spend fifteen thousand dollars like why did you do that and their response should be oh they were really good at so and so it's like no it's because it's going to help me build my business why mm. did you hire ruth to be your coach at, i don't know what your price points are but at the thousands of pounds that you actually get paid uh yeah. a month to actually work with you the, the answer can't be, 
oh, because, you know, she just worked with this person. And the response back to that, they worked with so-and-so. It's like, yeah, but you're not so-and-so. The response could simply just be, well, because Ruth has actually shown me that I have one simple strategy I can work with. They'll just make me a ton of money. Why? Because the way that I work is this, this, and this. It's shown me all these reasons why, and this is how the coaching works. So when you arm your prospect with more reasons why, it actually lowers your refund rates, which is, again, why low longer-form copy works. But I'm right there with you saying sometimes I don't want to read long-form copy because it waffles on. So you want to keep it by long-form. I mean, it has to be long enough to give them all the answers they need, but short enough that it doesn't waffle on. So concise it. Make it as concise as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. So if you can say, um, as Dan Kennedy used to say, if you could say something like, in on January 12th, 2013, you can change yeah. that to last January. Yeah. Or, or in January, or you can say January 2013. Mm-hmm. You don't have to say last, you don't have to say on. You know, it's just like you concise and trim down your words as much as you can. It's the art of writing it effectively and people don't understand that. One of the things I will say this much for you particularly, Ruth, just simply because I want everyone to walk away with this, um, write in short paragraphs. That helps. Like one-line paragraphs. Like one-sentence paragraphs, they work. Now, I know I've spoken a lot, but I do want to get you on this and your idea on this. What is one of the things that you've actually seen that remarkably separates men and women? Because I think you work exclusively with women. Yeah, well... I'm, I market exclusively to women, but I do work with some men. Okay. Um, I would say uh, women know, generally, the women that I speak to and the, that I work with generally know that they've got issues with confidence or they've got fears and, and, and they'll be quite open about them. They'll yeah. say to me, I want to develop my confidence or I'm scared of doing this. And they'll use that language, quite emotive language. The men that I've worked with have never said any of those emotive words. They wouldn't They wouldn't say that they've got confidence issues, but then we do very similar work. So I think that men and women are very, very similar, but the way that we articulate what's going on is often different. Massively. Yeah. Men would never say, I've got a confidence problem, I've got a fear, or I'm scared. They, they would use different language, and I think that's why... It's interesting because actually people are people are people and I don't think that there's massive massive differences or generalizations. We've all got different personality traits and types. But it's about that articulation. I think that's all about social norms and what's expected of them. Yeah, no, I agree. It's also to do with biology as well. Um, not biology, sorry, it's, it, it is social conditioning <laughs> more than anything. I was going to say, yeah. bio- well, biologically, we're actually treated in one way or another. Like men just have, a, like how our brains work uh, for men particularly. We don't have a hard time becoming emotional. What we have a hard time with is expressing that emotion in a way that actually makes sense because we're not as articulate. Um, not all of us, at least. But I will say the works of Jordan Peterson are actually really good for actually looking into this. If you haven't already like looked at Jordan Peterson's yeah. work, yeah. particularly with like becoming more agreeable as a like becoming less agreeable as a woman, that stuff is incredible and it's so true. But my question was going to be particularly when you well, you answered it in a way which was like what was the, what's the biggest difference between men and women when you work with them? But when it comes down to working with women particularly, my question was going to be towards um, what is what are the uh, trigger factors that women actually respond to most. Because for men, yes, there is that keeping up with the Joneses, there is that whole 
in a thought process that you can write to depending on marketplace. With women, what would you say is the biggest trigger points for them? Especially when it comes to business. I think a lot of women in business, they it's that it's that feeling that they're good enough. There's always that feeling that they're going to be good enough and they want to have that security and confidence that they are good enough to do it. So there's definitely that. I think there is the keeping up with the Joneses to an extent. I do think that kind of old school attraction marketing and, you know, look at me on my private jet, I don't think that's resonating with people. I think yeah. people are People more want, they, they basically, women want to see someone who they can relate to, who's that little bit further ahead than them. They do want that. They, they do have that aspiration of having, you know, having like a better lifestyle. But also women don't like to talk about money so much. Yeah. I think there's definitely, they're less likely to talk about money. And, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of people who market towards women's kind of beta side rather than the alpha. So it's thinking about, you know, being in tune with your emotions and happiness and all of those kind of positive psychology things that are really useful in marketing to women. Yeah. So I, so just to clarify that, it is essentially that you would actually use more towards the popular psychology and being more emotive versus, say, more money-driven. Would you say that would work Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's more about how they want to feel than what they want to have. Awesome. That actually is really good. I'm glad that you confirmed that because there are some people here that are listening into the show. That's not true. I'm like, it totally is. But I wanted, I wanted you to say rather than anyone else. So one of my curiosities really is when it comes down to um, particularly what you do, how was it that you started to get your clients coming in through the door and how do you get them coming in through the door now? Like, what was the difference between your original modality of bringing people into today? <laughs> at the beginning, I think I was just throwing spaghetti at the wall. I was a bit like, okay... I'm just going to put some options out. I'm going to do loads of challenges. I'm going to do everything that I can. But I think the best way to get clients through the door, and this is definitely what I do now, is to give your existing clients really good service. Because the best thing that you can have in this industry is actually, people think the coaching industry is massive, but it's quite small. And the best thing you can do is you can be bloody good with your current customers. Because they are your biggest proponents. If you're really good with your current customers, yeah, of course, you're going to be doing Facebook ads. Um, sometimes, you know, I've done Google AdWords in the past. You're going to be doing stuff like that. But if you're actually delivering value to customers, they're going to be your biggest proponents. They're going to talk about your book or your podcast or your YouTube channel. They're going to talk about your course. And they're going to do so in a way, especially women. Women want to hear from other women. What yeah. was you like? What was the course really like? Because people don't believe there's testimonials on the page anymore. People want yeah. to have that personal recommendation. So yeah. social media is a great way of doing that because you know people see that interaction and that's like a personal recommendation. Entirely. I would agree to that. I'd even go ahead saying that if you get a social media um, testimonial, screenshot it and you can use that as a written word testimonial because it is on social media that actually has a high conversion bump to it as well. Yeah, yeah. Which is really interesting. Um, one of my favorite things to actually do, by the way, is just that. It's is, easy, isn't it? Yeah. The other, unless it's an actual high-level influence, as you see with storytelling emails, uh, .com, we have like two influences, Brad Costanzo and AJ Mirasad. Um, I just use their photo and stuff like that. The reason I can't use it on Facebook is because they didn't actually send those testimonials on Facebook. They sent them to me privately. But at the same yeah. time, if you followed up and actually messaged them because they're so open and so easy to find, 
they will actually happily like re-endorse me. So it's, it, it, it works. Their audiences are part of my audience and they recommend me, so it's all good and well. One of the ideals that I actually really wanted to um, touch upon with you and really go in depth with you was this idea of using pop culture in particular in your marketing. Now, I've got to curiously ask them, do you actually use any in your marketing or no? When you say using pop culture, could you give me an example? Like say, okay, so what's a movie that you've recently seen? You're talking to somebody who doesn't really watch movies, um, but uh, La La Land, probably one okay. of the most recent ones that I saw, yeah. Okay, so I love La La Land, it's one of my favorite movies as well. You could yeah. actually use that in your marketing almost immediately as it's coming out. Mm. Like you can, you can actually create that hero's journey for um, anyone. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I suppose movies, I don't, but I might, I, rela I refer to popular culture and things that are going on in my marketing sometimes. Yeah. And I think it's like making analogies, like if you were doing publicity, it's about a hook, isn't it? So I, yeah. um, I'm writing an article, which I think in the magazine, hopefully very soon, um, you know, about that analogy, about when somebody changes career, about how their friends and family relate to them in their old career and that was very much about a model who changed to become an actress and everyone's still saying oh she's a model she's a model she's a model all her friends and family and personal networks seeing her as a model but she wants to be seen as an actress and it's how do you change people's perceptions of you so how do you change people's perceptions of you i think that you have to start talking you have to start acting like that person that you want to be mm -hmm. so you ever discount what people think of you in the past but you you are responsible for creating that new impression so you need to think about how you want to act and what you want people to say about you and be consistent um, in what you do so if essentially going back to the old and people are going to be confused yeah so essentially it's kind of the sense of you can't say that you'll retire from one thing and keep doing that same thing um, and it's almost like step it, it's crafting that capture in your mind as who they are and stepping into that character and making that person real. So everyone else eventually, as, as Michael said when we were at the event, it's like, how do you craft what you are? Well, you tell them who you are and you keep saying it until while you're doing it as well. So then everyone else starts from a small group to a huge group of people. A hundred percent, yeah. It's, it's all, yeah. How, how do people know who you are unless you tell them? Yeah. Also, it's that reinforcement, that continual reinforcement because people, you know, people aren't listening. People have got so much stuff going on for them. They're not listening. And you're not, this is a, a big thing with business that you need to understand. You're not the center of your customer's world. Yeah. They have their own world. And you're just a small part of that. And I say that to my clients a lot. You know, people will be saying, oh, I spoke to the person on the discovery call and they said they signed up. And it's two, two days later and they haven't signed up. And I'm like, just send them a message and chill out. Yep. you're not the center of their world you know I've had people who, who took a month to sign up or two years to sign up but they still came back to you because you gave a good service and they respected you so yep. it's very interesting like sometimes we're in this like bye 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 now 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 culture but actually relationship and that are so important relationships take a long time if you're constantly if that person's constantly seeing you as the they are, they are going to come to you one day. Yeah, it's exactly true. Um, as long as you put yourself out then the right way, people will always come back to you. And it's following up in the right, correct way without being the annoying pain in the ass. Like, hey, why haven't you done this yet? It's, 
yeah. being relative to them that actually works out. Now, one yeah. of um, that's something I did want to ask you particularly because uh, there are three questions on my show that I love to ask, and this is the first one. Okay. Uh, because I can see your bookshelf, which is awesome, uh, I have yeah. to ask, I'm assuming that you're a reader as well. Um, yeah. So if you were to pick three books that influenced your life, and here's the caveat, so there is parameters to this. The first two books are non-fictional books. The third book is either a fictional book or a fi- or a movie. So it could be a fictional book or a movie and two non-fiction books that impacted the way that you live your life or and or your business. Okay, right. The non-fiction, the fiction book is easy. Um, so I love the book, which is called... Oh, I say it's easy, and now I'm like, oh my God, I've got so many in my head. But there's a book called Beautiful Ruins that is set in Italy. And it's just really glamorous. It's really lovely. I love it. And the reason that's really, really changed how I live my life is I think I was reading it and I was kind of bored with my job. And it was, like, this is a big romance. And it's, it's just very kind of 1950s old school glamour. And it really made me think, actually, you can choose how you live your life. Because there's, there's lots of things that happen in the, in the book that, um, that particular choices that are made is that I can't say exactly that you know it would ruin the whole book if no one's read it but it was just it was made me think okay you can choose how you live your life and you've got a choice and that really stuck stuck with me from reading that book so I love that book it's pure escapism it's really easy to read but I love it I come back to it quite a lot especially if I'm feeling like a bit drab um I have a read of that book and think oh, that's that's pretty cool and that's then non- I love the big leap the big leap, I think, was that book that I was sitting there going, oh, that's what I've been doing the whole time. That's why when things are really good, I've suddenly been, you know, doing something to sabotage them. So that was just like a book that I just felt was written for me. And I was like, ah, oh, okay, I can see all of this now. And so that just made me much more self-aware. And it made me stop their self-sabotaging or reduce their self-sabotaging behaviors and think, wait a minute, am I self-sabotaging? So that was a really good one. And then one that I read years and years ago, which is now like heralded as this book, is called Carol Dweck Mindset. It's Great basically book. those two mindsets, like the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. Now I read that book years and years ago, and now it's really popular and it's in schools, and you know, loads of entrepreneurs talk about it. But it's just, it's that reframe, actually, I don't believe that my intelligence is fixed. I believe that I can always get better. And because yeah. of that, that's why I fail. And that's why I'm successful, because I fail. So I love those. The Big Leap and Carol Dweck are two of my favorites. Excellent book choices. I will actually, I'll give uh, you and everyone else on this call a little treat. The first time I read Caroline Dweck's book, I was a little bit too stupid to basically figure it out. And by that, I basically, I sat down and I read it and I went, yeah, this is a good idea, and then just like left it, and then came back to years later going, "You dumb idiot! You should have gone ahead and applied this a lot sooner." But hey, you always find your books when you need them. So my my favorite yeah. question here really is this one. I want you to go really in depth here. So I want you to think back to a time in your life where you felt like you did, you may have, but you felt like you completely failed, that like you bottomed out, confidence is completely shot, you're at rock bottom, mm. right? How did you go from that to where you are today? Like, what was the steps that you took to rebuild that confidence? Because I truly believe for an entrepreneur to be whoever they are, or a business owner to be whoever they are, 
the one thing that cannot be shaken, that should not be shaken, that should be kept intact at all costs, is their, is their confidence. Because when yeah. you lose your confidence, everything is stacked against you. I mean, I don't think I've ever had a period where I've had no confidence. I've definitely had periods. So um, when I, this is like 11, 12 years ago now, I was working, I got a new job. And it was one of those, like, I went, I start. it was a promotion, but I've been, I've been missold the job. So when I got there, it wasn't as much of a promotion. It's like a promotion in terms of salary and title, but not in terms of what I was doing. And it it really knocked my confidence. And I didn't, I didn't feel like I was being listened to or heard. Um, I felt like, because there'd been this kind of mis-selling of what I was doing as well. Um, and it did shake my confidence. It made me think like maybe I got it wrong or maybe I wasn't good enough. But what I did from that is I, I, I stayed there for a short while and then I thought actually this isn't, this isn't serving me. So I went, I got a new job, I got a much better job, I left and then in that new job I really focused on okay what can I do to build my confidence. I actually had a little business as well, a couple of little businesses on the side at the time as well. So their success will help me build my confidence. And the whole time I was like okay what can I do differently? How can I be better? Because that's always the thing. If I'm not good enough, how can I be better? I always believe that I can be better. And I think, yeah. you know, that both those books kind of show that too. But it's like, yeah, always believe that you can be better. If something doesn't work out, look at a different way of doing it. Get help. Because you can always find a better way. That's so true. That is so true. One of the new, uh, and this is kind of exclusive, but one of the new um, thought processes I'm, in, I'm distilling in my own brain is when anything goes wrong or seemingly wrong my brain has to immediately respond with the word good <laughs> I like that I, lo- I mean I love all these ways that, all these ways that you can reprogram, reprogram your brain I mean yeah. it's awesome yeah I mean granted I've got to give a shout out to uh, Jocko Willink he's amazing at this. I don't know if you've actually ever heard of any of Jocko's stuff no, um, I haven't. He wrote that. he wrote a book called Extreme Ownership. He's a former Navy SEAL in Ramad from Ramadi. Like he basically was in Ramadi for years, um, and he really details exactly what it's like to take complete ownership. But this video in particular, he has an amazing podcast as well. Uh, it's a two minute video, and it's just titled "Good." And his mm-hmm. whole thing is: you didn't get the job that you wanted. Good. You got injured. Good. You didn't get the funding that you wanted. Good. Whatever the risk, whatever it is good now you have a reason to actually improve so you didn't get promoted this time around you got passed over good now you have good. time to get better mm. like you got tapped out and beaten up in a fight good now you get better at your defenses and how to understand to do them and it's just like constant improvement your brain's like wow this is incredible so my last question here realistically is um is to three people like it's, it's to three different people and you can either give them you know three the same piece of advice for each one in three different times or you can give them for each group you can give them all one piece of advice each and the groups are simply this it's the person that's basically started out in their business and they've hit a they've hit a a slow low point so the roller coaster's gone down they've hit a slant the confidence is a little bit shook and they don't know what they're doing we discussed a little bit about this before but i want to get you to really focus in on these people the second is the people that are doing relatively well but they're plateauing Okay. And the third is the one is the ones that uh, are the ones that basically they've had some they've had um, 
the third people are like they've had some successes, they've had some losses, but they don't know like how do I put this? The gap between where they want to be and where they are is so great that they that they're afraid to make that jump. So they're happily they're happy just plodding along. So you have the people that are that have had successes and losses, and right now they're in a downturn. Their confidence is rocked. The second group of people are plateaued. They're doing really well, but they don't really want to do anything else. Like, hey, I'm doing great. I'm just going to rest. And the third is um, the people that kind of go, I know I can do more, but it just seems so difficult. I don't know where to go, so I'm just going to stay where I'm at. Okay, I'm going to say three different things, but actually, go for it. a lot. Of, you can do the same thing for a lot of people. Yeah. If they're not feeling confident, they need to start thinking about what they can do to, to improve their confidence. So that could be as easy as sitting down and writing. 10 things that make me happy. What are 10 things that make me happy today? And then I'm going to do those 10 things every single week. And I'm going to write them down. I'm going to do my gratitude journal. So every day I'm going to write down three things I'm grateful for. And I'm going to use that to build my confidence in my business. I would also say, if they're not feeling confident, really identify what it is they're not confident about. Because we say we're not confident, but it could be I'm not confident with tech. I'm not confident attracting new clients. I'm not confident doing whatever so identify what it is that you're not confident in and then get support ask someone work with a coach work with a mentor do a course do whatever you can to build that confidence so you need to think about being strategic and having a plan rather than just saying I'm not confident what do you want to be what does that look like how are you going to get there what support do you need what are they, what are those steps so what does that confidence look like where are you now what are those little steps you can take to get there now, I'd say that with everything. It's all about taking really small, actionable steps every day rather than thinking I'm going to have to take a massive leap. So if you've plateaued, be honest with yourself. What are you doing at the moment that's working? What isn't working? Where are you spending your time? Because when you've plateaued, usually, it's because you're not spending your time on those things that are getting you results. And it's about actually having a really stopping and having a look at your business and seeing, okay, where am I spending my time? Where am I getting results? Let's increase the time that I'm spending on things that are getting results. Let's decrease or ditch that time when I'm not getting results. And let's look at doing something new. And let's really have a look and see, in my industry, what's working for people now? And how could I implement that? And also, be honest with yourself. Are you happy with where you are? Have you achieved what you want to achieve? Because most people who are plateaued aren't happy. And this could also be, um, we all talk about mindset, another level, another devil. That could be that you've got to a certain stage in your business and those old mindset issues are coming up. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I don't deserve this. Are you doing stuff to work on your mindset? Are you setting yourself up for the day properly? Because if you're not, you're going to stay at that plateau. And that big, big difference is about breaking it down. So I think they're quite similar. Think about where you want to be, where you are now, and work backwards. Okay, In a year, I want to be making 100000 a month. Um, so at the moment, you know, I'm about halfway there. So what we're going to do to get that, you know, I'm not going to suddenly go from where I am to make a hundred. But what can I do incrementally every day, every month, every ninety days to get that? It's about breaking it down. Because sometimes loads of people find big goals really overwhelming. So break it down. Think about what you can do to get. I agree. It's one of those big things that, especially when you like reverse engineer those big goals and something that you've reminded me to do. So I thank you for that. Good. So I'm going to ask you one last question that's completely off the cuff. Okay. And this is completely just for me. 
because we've met, so you know me. If yeah. you could, if you could recommend a single book to me, a single book, say, Adel, you need to get this today and read it. You need to devour this book. What book would it be? Oh my gosh, what book? And this is personalized. This is just for me. Like everyone else listening, y'all can jump in if you want. Oh, but like, Ruth knows me. I'm looking around. My, I'm looking at my um... collection. Yeah, but but this is like so. This room, because I was doing some filming, we've color coded some of the books, so they're quite massive. Uh, a particular book. I, I've got some really random books in here. Do you know what? <laughs> Definitely not the psychopath test. I would say. Um, yes, I've already passed that as a psychopath, <laughs> which is fine. <laughs> I was on the uh, yeah, I was on the TV the other day doing that. Um, I might get you to read um, a really spiritual book. So I might get you to read. Um, you know, A Course in Miracles. I wouldn't get you to read the whole Course in Miracles. I get you to read the first Marianne Williamson one, which I can't remember what it's called. I've got it in the other way. I that know which one you mean. I think I have that. I think it is called A Course in Miracles, but I don't remember which title. It's in my apartment. Like, I actually have that book somewhere, so I'm going to go pick okay, it up and so, read it. So why haven't you read it? I started reading it, and then I got distracted. Yeah. I would read that, because I actually think that everyone can have a little bit more spirituality in their life. Okay. I'm not massively woo-woo. I'm getting more woo-woo the older I get because things just keep happening. But I would yeah. read that because I think that we all need a bit of spirituality in our lives, especially um, when there's all the madness that's going on in the world at the moment. So Yeah, it, it yeah. centers you right in, which is lovely. It does. It does. Yeah. Ruth, thank you so much for taking the time to be in here today and joining us on the podcast. Guys, go check out ruthcurtsy.com. Opt into a mailing list. Get in touch with her if you're an ideal client of hers. Reach out and see how you guys can work together because, Ruth, you have a variety of different uh, price points that people yeah. can come in and just work with you. So that's always a good thing as well. Um, so, guys, go you know see if you guys align and see if there's resonation. If there is, go with it or if you resonate with anything. Um, and thanks again, Ruth, for being here. I really appreciate Thank you taking time. Thank you. All right. Take care, guys. I'll see you in the next episode of Marcy Unplugged.